Hi, everyone. I'm Celia Keenan-Bolger, and this is Sunday Pancakes, a podcast to nourish your head and heart any day of the week. How are we doing? (laughs) I have been thinking so much about this interview that I heard a few years ago. I can't remember where it was. I can't remember who it was. But it was with a scientist who was talking about aging. And they were saying that there are all of these different ways that we change as we get older. Um, Men become more emotional and softer, while women become less eager to please. Extroverts become more introverted. Introverts become more extroverted. But the thing that really stayed with me is that the scientist was saying that people without faith looked for it more as they got older. And this really resonated with me. I grew up with a mother who was a self-described agnostic, but I think really in her heart was an atheist. And her parents were Catholic, but sort of admitted that they didn't really believe in God, but went to church because it gave them a sense of community and a place to give back. And I remember when my mother was dying, she said to me, you know, I don't really believe in anything after this life. I think that when you're dead, you're dead. And at the time, it felt very much in line with who she was and very pragmatic. But as time has gone on, it's made me a little bit sad and As I am getting older, I find myself looking to cultivate some sort of faith practice. And I can't tell if it's aging or a global pandemic or how much pain and division there is in the world right now, but I want to believe in something bigger than myself. And I really lean into that in this week's conversation. And this is sort of surprising because I think for years, God And religion felt pretty complicated to me. And in the past, I would just sort of shut down when I heard someone talk about them. But in this moment, I want to know more. And so I guess I'm just saying this because if you're like me and if talk about faith can make you bristle or uncomfortable, I get it. But I also am going to encourage you to try to listen to this conversation and think about how we might redefine this thing that we have a relationship to and how we might be able to reframe it so that it can be useful in our lives. Okay. So in 2010, I remember sitting in a box seat at the Lyceum Theater watching the musical The Scottsboro Boys and having my mind blown by my guest this week. The musical itself was incredibly special and like nothing I had ever seen on Broadway, but the magnetism and the talent of my guest genuinely took my breath away. Since that show, I think I've made a point to see almost everything that he's done on stage. And so many of the things that he has been a part of have ended up being some of my favorite theatrical experiences, which means that in addition to being exceptionally talented, he also has really great taste, or at least he has my taste. We don't know each other that well, but in the time that we have spent together, I have found that his presence offstage is as remarkable as on because he has this amazing combination of being both easygoing and powerful. 
He's bold and funny and quietly thoughtful. And when you're around him, you feel like you're in the presence of someone really special. I am so happy to welcome Joshua Henry to the podcast. Why are you going to make me emotional? I, I, I already am a new father. And now you're going to make me. Thank you so much, Sue. I really appreciate that. That is the truth, though. I wouldn't, that was the easiest thing to write. I think there is, I mean, I want to talk about this a little bit, like about how much you hold. I feel like you hold multitudes, not just as a performer, but as a person. Well, I, I really appreciate that. I, I I love, 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 love to perform. And, um, but for me, especially as I've been doing this for the past 15 years, it's evolved into more than performance for me. And it's, it it's, I truly believe, and I'm, I used to be kind of hush-hush about the way I said this, but now I really believe that I'm here to, to one, spread a message of growth in, in everything that I do, and but also be a, a, a revolving door for, for love and light flowing through me. And so to hear you say that, I really appreciate that because it's, it's definitely intentional. Will you talk about the growth part of your, because I, I think like the growth mindset and the way that you are sort of spreading this message of growth, like I, it actually isn't something, I feel like we have all kinds of messages that we're receiving. Mm -hmm. Growth is one of those things. It's so huge, but it's also so personal. And will you talk about your own personal relationship to either when you realized you had a message to send or when you realized that growth was the message that you wanted to put out there? I, I think it was 2015, um, 2000, yeah, 2015, um, when I realized that this message was the thing that I wanted to put out there. Um, it was the first time where I, you know, a lot of people were looking at me, other artists and saying like, what are you doing that's, that's, that's different? You know, why are you, you know, it, it's, it's more than the, what you're bringing in performance and why do... So I, I started sort of breaking that down in my head and sort of going through my life. And some of the earliest memories I have are, are in conservatory back in the University of Miami. And, you know, like a lot of performers being in front of the mirror and just trying to figure out who you are and um, as a performer and as a person. I remember being in the movement studio and trying to like stretch and touch my toes at like two in the morning and I couldn't do it. Um, or trying to sing a high note or sustain a note or get an acting beat right. And, and I just went to the movement studio all the time and looked at myself in the mirror. And a thought came to me after my freshman year of just, because I was just so behind. I didn't know much about the world of musical theater. But the thought that came to me and resounded was, you can, I can grow into what I don't know. And, and I just remember that thought that like, somehow I got to this point, right? At some point I couldn't, put a sentence together at some point I couldn't tie my shoes like as basic as that and and I and I really embraced the idea that I can I can literally learn YouTube or ask someone about information to get me to the next level and then after that it's just a patience and and um and a work ethic dedication thing um so that's sort of um where it started I think it's so interesting to me because I think if I had the talent, 
that you have. I think there are, I think most people who are born with the kind of talent that you have, particularly when they are young, are not going into a college um, rehearsal room at night and being like, how can I get better? I think most people would be like, I have so many things over here that these other things just won't be my jam. So I'll just stay over here in the lane that I know I'm good at. Like how do you think, do you have a self-critical voice that's like, you got to get better at this? Or like, how? why do you think you go to the spaces where you're like, there is room for improvement? I think curiosity. I, 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 I like the idea of being a student. I was just talking to someone who's asking me, hey, you're doing recording now as an artist, and but are you doing this Broadway thing? And, and I... I love the idea of going into a new place and and learning things that I didn't know before. And and I do sort of get not bored, but if there's something that's super familiar to me that I understand and can tell you about backwards and forwards, I think it's time for me to move on to the next thing. Will you talk about your relationship with discipline? Because I feel like you are... um you are not afraid to set aside those 20 minutes. I feel like my relationship with discipline is one where I can really go for like six months mm. or not even six months. Let's even say six weeks. And then I'm like, um, that took, that took a lot out of me. And now I'm ready to go back to something that is more comfortable. Look, you you ain't lying. I'm I'm literally <laughs> the same way in, in a lot of ways. So much, I mean, okay, so I'll give you an example. Like right now, three kids, right? My twins are seven weeks old. My relationship with food, with food is different than it was when I'm doing the show. With sleep, it's different, you know? And 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 so for me, I, I will say that I have been, you know, in my 20s, let's say, super disciplined. Like that was a thing. You got to be motivated. You got to be disciplined and that's going to get you to the, and, and I think I'm changing my system a little bit and I'm trading that for, um, trying to be more kind and compassionate to myself. Mm. For me, the kind thing is to get a lot of sleep. The kind thing for Joshua is to, um, do the thing that really fuels me, that makes me smile. You know, to, that means picking up my guitar for 20 minutes a day, which then turns into can turn into more. So now I, I don't I don't think about it in terms of like if I don't do this, the day is a failure or it, it's I have found the thing that I love to do and I want to support the things um, I want to do the little actions that support the thing that I love to do. So it it because it, I used to think, you know, it just had to be all muscle and guts. Mm. and it just that there's a place for that. And that got me through my twenties. And I honor that, 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 that thought process. Um, but now it's, it's, I'm being more kind and gentle to myself. That's how I think about discipline now. And it moves. That voice and how you wake up in the morning, like the way that you talk to yourself, do you think that that has changed over time? Like, was that more critical or more, um, was it harder on you when you were younger? I would say when I was from like 18 to like 27, it was like, get your ass in gear. You know, that, that, that was the thing. It was more of like a drill sergeant. 
Let's go. <laughs> it worked because I was lived. I didn't live with anyone. <laughs> Nobody was depending on me, you know? So you, you're solo. That's, it, it just worked for me. Now I've got a wife and I've got three kids and I've got friends that I want to be a part of their lives, you know, and I want to be a big part of my niece and my nephew's life. And I also want to do huge things in art. Like, I feel like I'm just getting started. And so that voice has now, when, when that voice that used to serve me comes up now, I'm like, okay, first of all, take the bass out your voice, you know, put the whistle down because I don't get down like that anymore. You know, the voice has evolved. Yeah. And it's become um, a more um, holistic, it's more of a kind, caring voice that says, Joshua, I know where you want to be. I think when we're younger, the, the amount of time we can sort of focus on our own needs, on our own dreams, on taking care of ourselves, like there's so much, much more energy that we can put towards that. And then you put kids in that picture. And I even feel this on the other side of this past year where suddenly, you know, we were this little family unit. I did not have a lot of things calling my attention. Anything that I was doing creatively was self-generated. So I could sort of carve out the time for that. Now you are, we're sort of, you know, in this re-entry mode, you have two new babies in that house. You just dropped your first EP. And how are you like, is that pie? Did the pie in the amount of time you were able to give to yourself and your work and your family, did that look different last year than it does right now? Mm-hmm. Well, certainly the, the, the the pie looks different because the last, you know, my, my children seven weeks old. So um, it, it looks a little different. It feels different. I would say last year um, when I started sort of getting my feet back, you know, like creatively, I was like, okay, the 20 minutes turned into like 45 minutes. And now I'm like a functioning creative again. <laughs> um, Did you uh, have a time when you were like, I can't do anything? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like the yeah for sure. Um, the pandemic was one, and then when George Floyd, I was like, I was just like on the floor. I was like, I don't even know what, you know. And and at that moment, I had to go back to this the same place that I was when I was in the mirror in the movement studio in my mind. Like, okay, you can grow into a new place, right? Like, you're not going to use the old system. You're going to use, you know, it was five minutes a day, then turned into twenty minutes a day. Um, I, I think. Um, Last year is when I wrote a lot of these songs, um, a place when my emotions are like way to the surface and I was feeling really vulnerable. And so that's when it all just went in a matter of like three months, mm. this came together. And um, even songs that I released later on this year came to get last year. Now, I, I think, look, you can't do this without support. Like, I, I believe my capacity to, to hold a lot of things in the air is is great. but like. I really lean on my wife, you know, who is like a master organizer. Um, I've had family in town, my mom and and Catherine's mom. Um, we have help. We have, you know, a, a, an incredible school that Samson goes to, a great nanny. And, and I have to lean on those things. If I didn't have those things, I, I don't know if I'd be able to do what I do creatively. Um, and... So, you know, 
But I will say that underneath all of that is a belief. It's a belief that I am connected to an endless um, creative source. And that creative source allows me to think outside the box and outside of what anyone thinks about what is possible with one kid in a pandemic with three kids. You know, I've had people be like, all right, you're really screwed now. And I'm like, I will literally say back to them, uh, no, I think it's going to be the best thing that's ever happened to me. So for me, in terms of capacity, that's a big part of, I think, why I'm able to do what I do is because of that belief system. Mm. Um, but yeah, the support is a big thing. Um, but from the belief system, then you you get clear and you get creative about how you need the support, how you need the extra sleep, you know, how you and, and, and to support what it is that you think you're here for. So um, and do you feel like that source is is always that you are in constant contact with your God or with that source? Or do you have to get quiet and listen? It helps. Well, I don't think there's anything that can separate me from that source that I call God. Um, it helps when you can get quiet for for when I can spend two minutes a day mm-hmm. or, or 10 minutes a day on a walk um, connecting to that source, trying to listen um, for the next move, for the next melody that I'm supposed to write down. So it's everything that I just think everything around us that is here is try truly believe it's for us. It's not against us. And I know that's a really, you know, especially in the the backdrop of last year, that's kind of a hard thing, but I don't understand the whole thing. It's what I choose to believe. And with all that happens in my life, I choose to see that. And I choose to believe that like that force is guiding me for my good. Did you feel around everything last year, particularly what you were saying about feeling just so laid out by George Floyd, like your relationship, being a black parent, two boys now, three boys, what, what does that feel like right now? You know what, right now I, well, in the moment, Say, say last year when I just had one son, I, I was I was so emotional. I would just look at him and burst into tears. I'd be walking outside and I'd see a cop car go by and I would burst into tears, you know. And, you know, now, um, even having some distance from that, there's still events, you know, killings that happen. Um, and the thing that I have to try to remind myself is that if I believe and I, I try to affirm that they are protected, you know, they are protected, they are looked after, they are cared for, um, and not necessarily from the police or from this country, um, who I respect and I'm glad to be here. But I think I affirm and I pray that there is a, a, a divine protection that is over them. Um, that that orchestrates their steps for safety, you know, that leads them to meet people that that embrace them, that lift them up, um, that they'll go down the right 
alleys and the, the right, that they're just being directed in the right way. So that's my prayer, you know, and, and the more I, I go to that, the more peaceful I feel, the more confident I am about their future. Because if I put my confidence in any other outside system, you know, I, I, I just feel less confident. I feel so envious <laughs> of your relationship to your faith. I think I remember hearing you talk about um, how you were like never really going to go into musical theater. You were going to maybe be an accountant. And then you had a teacher who was like, you should do this. You should be Harold Hill and the music man. And then you're like, I guess I'm going to go on this journey. But you, you said that you had initially like that music came to you in church. And so do you feel like, I mean, what I really am just selfishly interested in is this cultivation of faith throughout your life. Do you think it has, have you had to turn, have, have there been times when you had to do deep questioning? Have you had times where you felt like it was at odds with your, um, with your environment or your creative selves? Like how will you talk? I'm just so, I'm, I'm curious about it because of my own lack of, I think, spiritual foundation? I, <clears throat> so I, I did grow up in church and, and my, in a, in a household that was um, very religious. <laughs> and, you know, I don't, I haven't held on to all of the, you know, religious ideas that I grew up with, but the core of it being that, you know, there's something that takes care of me and and, but there are, there have been times that, um, you know, I've, you know, last year was one of those times where I was just like, wow, you know, it's a time when you feel really depleted. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was my, my bread and butter, you know, in-person collaboration in an audience and telling stories on stage. When that goes away, then you really, I mean, I got to the place I was like, all right, God, well. I don't know what, and for me, it's like a a friend, you know, it's not like this person in the sky who's like, being like, (laughs) definitely not a bass voice. You know, I was like, well, I don't know what this is. I don't know what the next step is. And I felt that many times, you know, when we found out, Catherine and I, that we were having twins, it was not in my family, not in her family. And we just, it was just so not in the plans. I remember when she came out because I wasn't allowed to go in, you know, to, to find out in the ultrasound because COVID. And I was like, hey, what's going on? And, and she was like, I hope you're ready. And I was like, what? The, like, what? Uh, and she was like, yeah, we're having twins. And I, it was one of those moments where, you know, it just shakes your whole world up. Mm. And I had to, act, to ask myself in those moments, and these are things that I've sort of rehearsed now, like, okay. You just go back to the place where like, who am I and whose am I? You know, there, there was a moment last night, Celia, where it was like 3.45 in the morning. And I was thinking about a meeting, you know, that I have today where I had to be super on and creative. <laughs> but my little son is crying his eyes out. He's fed. He's got, and in those moments, I'm not getting enough sleep. I, I, can't, I can't dedicate any brain space to this thing that's in the future. And so for me, I just go back to a place, who am I and whose am I, you know? And I look down at my kid and I'm like, 
this kid needs me. Wow. Oh, wow. I'm a father. How, when did I become a father? You know, wow. I, I Look at the care that's in this room. My hands are on my child. He's looking at me with expectation. I'm going to be there for him. Wow. I am taken care of. I'm cared for. Care is in the atmosphere of the walls of this house. Where does care stem from? You know, and so all of these things sort of lead up to a place that is outside of my senses and a location and a destination. And, but, but you're, but, you know, those things, those moments happen to me frequently where I have to con be like checking in. It's not like, you know, you have this connection to, to your faith and it's just, that's it forever. You know, you, you're right. They, you get shaken up, you get shaken up moment to moment every day. And then we have a choice. I have a choice whether I'm going to believe what I feel in my senses or what I believe to be true and what has demonstrated itself all the way up until this point in my life, where I can look at these posters behind me and be like, did I really do that? You know, how am I here talking to Celia Keenan Boulder? You know, like it's, it's, and so it, 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 for me, it's a practice of keep, uh, yeah, in those moments, just stepping back and asking those two questions, who am I and who's am I? That, that keep me grounded in, in this ever-changing life and business. I think that is so, it's, it's so beautiful, but it's also, I think that practice of in the moments of overwhelm, being able to like take that pause and not be dictated by the flood or the shock of emotion that you were talking about and like getting like to center yourself. It feels like a practice that is in some ways, it's always available to you. It's just, it can feel so often like I don't, I've lost all control here. Hmm. You know, yeah. You know, it's like anything else, like a, like a note, like a dance step, like a acting beat. You can't wait until you're in the situations before you practice them too. Mm. You know, for me, it's waking up every morning and, and having a solid five minutes, if I can, of, of just gratitude for everything that I see. It's the practice of seeing the world and seeing that there is always beauty. Yeah, because I think it is so easy to collect the information in the ways that the world is conspiring against us. Our brain wants to go there. It's like I could name a million things in a day. And it's just like that retraining of what if the universe is conspiring with us, that everything is meant for us, that you can look at every horrible, difficult moment and say, this is, this is meant for me. I think that is so powerful. Literally what the song tomorrow is about. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, if, in case you haven't listened, friends, you must go on Joshua's Instagram. That song is, it is something else. And you singing it is especially something else. Well, thank you. It's, I wish I wrote it, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally like, what the whole thing is about an orphan who was like, I don't know if I'm going to ever get out of this situation. A little girl <laughs> who's like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be in a loving family tomorrow or next week, or I don't know if I'm not going to get, you know, shunned upon by like the people that are around me. But I do know one thing that the sun is going to come out because the sun has always come out. 
whether I see it or not, whether it's an overcast day, I know that the sun is behind those clouds. And it's like, can I get keep in that practice of just getting to the, the most sure things? I literally named my EP guarantee for that reason, because I questioned, you know, in the, these moments we're talking about, like, what is the thing that we get that is guaranteed like the most? What are your feelings about the return of our industry? Wow, that's packed. It's, I'm, well, for, I'm super excited. You know, I have, I have no idea how it's happening safely. I, I don't know if that's even on record. Does, does anybody know that's listening right now? <laughs> Just give us a call. Give us a call if you have any thoughts. So safety is one thing. Um, obviously, uh, there are, the, the way the shows are produced, you know, who's producing them. I feel like we could use a little shakeup in that department. <laughs> um, I'd like to see more, like a lot of folks, more BIPOC representation. I'd like to see more Black folks at the, at the, as lead producers um, for these shows that are coming in. And I think you'll start to see that more, I trust. And, and part of the work that I'm doing now is that anything that I'm involved with that is moving forward, and I'm grateful to be in this position, is like, I want to make sure that it's a super diverse set of folks all the way up to the top. Um, otherwise, I won't be involved with it. You know, and that's just that. And and that's a decision that I know that I'm, you know, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful that I can be in a position to, to do that. But I think wherever we are as artists, you know, in whether Broadway is like, we have to take some moments, take some inventory and be like, what is the power that I have in this moment, you know, to, to try to assist this change for a more equitable, you know, return to, to the art of storytelling. Um, I'm excited. And I think there's so, so much incredible work was done last year. And I, and I hope folks don't think that it's over. <laughs> Um, that's like the worst thing that could happen to mm-hmm. our industry. <gasps> okay, glad, you know, let's just watch some shows. I feel like also you've been so, you have been in the position of being in a number of all or, or predominantly Black casts on Broadway, which in itself is not the norm. Do you feel like, is that, do you think that's true? Am I mischaracterizing yeah, yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Shuffle along, Scott Boys, working best. Do you would you talk about the difference just personally for yourself of what that was like in 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 comparison to an integrated or where you were in the minority cast? I'm gonna say like shuffle along. I'll take the 2016. The feeling of you know, showing up to the theater and, you know, being backstage with people that you know, sing the same music that you sing, grew up in a lot of ways in the same type of church environment that you grew up in, eating a lot of the same foods and, you know, having experienced the world in, in not just the exact same way, but in a similar way. Um, in Shuffle Along, that was un. It was just unreal. It was so impactful. It was like, it was like home. It was like, that's really what it felt like. Because I thought, well, here it is, you know, 
in my professional life, I get to experience, you know, this family, this legacy that I thought I had traveled so far away from in coming to New York City. Oh man. And, uh, you know, I, it's just a brotherhood, you know, it's, it's, it's family it's being able to just let your guard down in those instances um, and not having to be on your best behavior, which is something that I grew up believing that it was taught to me to be on your best behavior um, and to just straighten your spine around certain people. Why folks? Because I've also, you know, been at shows where it was the opposite. Um, and you, it's not that, you know, we're always a super loving community, um, but you're just a little bit more on your P's and Q's about what you should say or what you, you shouldn't say. And, you know, I, I wish that I didn't feel that way in those other environments. You know, that's what my, that's what was ingrained into my, you know, my parents definitely gave me a confidence that to, to be who I was, but it came along with those things, you know, it sprinkled into there. It was like layered into this soup of like, be, you know, confident and be exactly who God made you to be, but also, you know, just realize you got to walk with a certain level of, you know, it came with a grain of salt, like, but not too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think when you're in a cast, you know, like Shuffle Along or, or, or Corgi and Bess, it's all just, you just, your guard is down and you're like, I'm going to say, I'm going to speak, I'm going to laugh, I'm going to be as loud as I want. And that's just, that's how we got down. And it just feels so, so family, so mm. fan. When you were just talking about your parents and the way that they sort of helped you move through the world, do you feel like what is the 2.0 version of that for you, for your boys? <laughs> like, oh. What are what do you feel like you want to give them? I want them, I, I feel like the best gift that I could give them is the the gift of or of mindfulness and, and awareness that everything that they are is perfectly enough. You know, that they don't have to change their voice. They don't have to change the way they walk. You know, that no matter what situation they are in, that they are there, that God is there with them. And that is all that they need. That's the, all the confidence, all the the uh, the fuel that they need. Um, I, I want them to, you know, I want them to have a confidence and awareness of this this higher power of the universe. Because I feel like for me, and I know I talk about it a lot. Like once you have that, everything else is underneath that umbrella, you know. And and if I give that to my kids, then then fear is lessened, you know, then, you know, confidence increases, you know, they, they're not, they're not tiptoeing through life. They're not afraid to take up space because they believe it's a purpose for them to be there um, in every interaction. Um, so I think those are the things I try to, we try to focus on. And when we wake up in the morning with Samson, you know, we take three breaths and, you know, and I'm like, Samson, who are you? And today he told, he told me who he was. He was like, he was like, harmony is here. 
Jesus is here. I am smart, I am kind, I am honest, and I am loved. And I'm like, you know, it's not that I'm like, my work here is done, but I mean. But kind of. Kind like of that, pretty much what I, if I can just keep those things intact, and it's not all up to me, but that's the message. Uh, I really, really appreciate you taking this time. I know your life contains a lot right now, but this was so, I can't tell you, it was so helpful. Thank you, Celia. It's been great to talk to you. It's great to see you. You too. I'm glad you're doing this. Although I will say, you know, I was waiting for like the pancake. Uh, Do I get pancake? (laughs) Those are coming in the mail. Those are coming in the mail. So since I had that conversation with Joshua, I have used something that he talked about a number of times. And it was the part of the conversation when he was talking about his little baby in the middle of the night that couldn't stop crying. And that he was like, I have so much that is going to be asked of me tomorrow. But his ability to slow down in that moment and say, what is my purpose right now? What am I here for? Who am I? I think is so unbelievably helpful and important. I think it can be helpful in our relationships, in our partnerships, when we start to find ourselves like going into patterns that can create conflict to slow things down. I think when we're feeling overwhelmed and like so many things are being asked of us to say like in this moment, what is my responsibility? Who am I? How do I show up in this moment? I'm so grateful to have that tool. And I this this episode, more than almost any other one, I have gone back and listened to over and over again just because there are a lot of ideas that I'm still wrapping my head around and are new to me. So I would just say it holds up if you want to go back and and gather some tools for your own personal growth and relationship to faith. Okay, the weekly roundup for this episode is going to start with an unbelievable book that I'm reading right now. It's called You Are the Best Thing, Vulnerability, Shame, Resilience, and the Black Experience. And it features essays by all of these Black writers Um, Austin Channing Brown, Sonia Renee Taylor, Jason Reynolds, Laverne Cox are all featured in it. And it is blowing my mind. There is a conversation with Tarana Burke and Brene Brown who edited the book. And Tarana Burke says to Brene, I don't believe your anti-racist work is complete or valid or useful if you haven't engaged with black humanity. And this book, as I'm reading it, it not only is making me feel like there's so much more I need to know and so much that I don't know about the Black experience. But I also keep seeing myself in these essays and feeling so connected to these stories and these writers, and I just cannot recommend it enough. The next uh, offering I have is from the Deepak Chopra website. It's an article called Five Ways to Cultivate Faith When Times Are Tough. Um, and it has, you know, really, it has five different things that you can do that I thought were just really smart. And there's a um, a moment in the article where 
the writer says, you know, this journey usually requires the uneasy task of abandoning reliance on your own ability to figure it all out, which I am realizing more and more this idea that we should be able to handle all of it is just really unrealistic and only leads to suffering. So check that article out. And then the last thing for this week is an interview with the neuroscientist David Eagleman, who has done all of this research on growth and brain plasticity. And there's so much in it that is fascinating. But he says something um, about the most important lesson that has emerged from all of his uh, work around brain plasticity is that if you challenge yourself, if you're constantly facing new tasks and challenges that you're no good at, you're actually building new roadways and bridges and making your brain healthier and stronger as you get older. And obviously, for many reasons, that really resonated with this conversation. You absolutely should listen to Joshua's EP, Guarantee, um, is the name of it. And also the song is so good. And that's all for this week. I hope everybody is hanging in okay. I cannot wait for the next episode. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. This week's episode was recorded in New York on the lands of the Mohican and Lenape peoples. Sunday Pancakes is produced by me and Rachel Sussman of Plate Spinner Productions with editing and engineering by Tim Kashani and Ali Rice of Apples and Oranges Arts. The theme music is by Gavin Creel. Special thanks this week to John Conley. Sunday Pancakes is distributed by Playbill. <laughs>